0: Good morning, good morning, I am Stephanie, if we have not met, Uh, I am the director of adult discipleship here at Christ Center, and just as we were worshiping this morning, he is the giver of all things, that's what this morning is all about, just that reminder that he is, from him come all things, and that is such a good truth, I think we could just walk away with that, but I do have something to share. Uh, We are in a series called The Seven Wonders. And we are in week three, and there's four more. So if you have missed week one, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to it because that sets the table. That gives us what the rest of the series is about. You're coming in on week three, you can still uh, gain from it this morning, but uh, week one is really helpful to this series. So, As we go through life, a lot of times we wonder, and here's some things that we wonder. We wonder, am I safe? We wonder, am I secure? We wonder, am I loved? Am I wanted? Am I successful? Am I good enough? Do I have a purpose? And throughout our lives, we may wonder these things from time to time. In different seasons of our lives, we might wonder different things. For example, if I'm in a dark alley in the middle of the night in a big city by myself, I might wonder, am I safe? Right? That's a very common thing that we would wonder. But this series is more about the idea that oftentimes in our early childhood development, we will develop some things. We will develop some questions that if not answered with a yes, uh, will, will follow us into life. And so um, if you haven't taken the quiz, we have a quiz. So we all, the premise of this series is that we all have a core question or two core questions that are kind of partnered up that we ask. And if we didn't get a yes as a child, we are still often looking for it in adulthood. I wonder, and as I'm wondering, walking around, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. If ever I get a no, that doesn't feel good to me. So if you are wondering this morning, what is my core question, and you haven't taken the quiz yet, we have the quiz, it's short, it's easy, it's on our website, it's also on our Christ Center app. It's right at the bottom, there's a little bar, and on the far right, there's a resources tab, and you can click on that. And uh, it's just a couple-minute little quiz. Uh, Some of you have already taken it and said, I retook it because I didn't believe it the first time. That's okay. Uh, Most of those people, it came back the same the second time. Um, So anyway, we all probably have a core question. And with that core question, we are walking through life still wanting to get a yes. Oftentimes, oh, so our question is, am I secure today? That's the question we're going to look at. Am I secure? And oftentimes those of us that ask this question, we ask it maybe because somewhere in our early development, maybe our parents or caregivers struggled with financial burdens. Maybe there was too little before the next paycheck. Maybe conflict between adults on how the money was going to get spent or how to solve the not enough problem, there's not enough. Maybe uh, if you have this as your core question, food and shelter insecurity, might have been a part of your growing up years. Uh, Relational instability, where maybe parents and caregivers struggled, had a lot of conflict, and you watched that, so it made you feel insecure relationally. And then sometimes... uh, Codependency in early uh, childhood, where we felt responsible to make sure that our family was secure. These all might be hints uh, to the fact that that might be your core question going into adulthood. And for people with this question, um, the the belief is we have this belief that I am secure if I am properly resourced in this life. I'm secure if I'm properly resourced. And our fear, our greatest fear, is not having enough, not having enough money or relational resources to protect ourselves. And what happens is that when we're walking around and we have that question and we have that core fear, if all of a sudden um, I show up at my job one day and I feel insecure, that's a no to my question. You're not secure right now. Or um, I go home and something happens and I feel insecure at home, then I'm, I'm hearing a no. And we begin to do what's called the scramble because we want a yes. No does not feel good. None of us like to feel insecure. None of us ever like that feeling. But for people with that core question, we really don't like that feeling. And so what happens is when we begin to feel insecure, we begin to scramble because we want a yes. I want to hear a yes. I want to hear a yes at work. I want to hear a yes at home. I want to hear a yes in my relationships that I am secure. And this is what the scramble can look like. We can begin to strive, fretting about money, often or always. We can begin to hoard money, work unhealthy, unbalanced hours, trying to control people and circumstances in an effort to self-protect or protect relational capital. So often without even knowing it, subconsciously, we are are walking through our lives self over others. But we don't even realize it because we're just, we're self-protecting, we're self-preserving. Um, Always thinking more will be enough. If I can just get a little bit more. If I just have a little more in my savings account. If I just have a few more people who are my besties. If I just know that those people got my back no matter what. Um, We can also become angry at people who don't jump on board the scramble with us. So this is an interesting one. But if I start to feel insecure because... Things aren't right, danger's coming, we're not okay, we're not secure. And I look around and everybody else is calm. I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? Like, scramble! Come on, we gotta be secure, you know, we gotta, we gotta fix this. And so that's something that the scramble um, also can look like. And so this morning, I want to give you an example from our Bibles, from the Old Testament, from the book of Ruth. And this um, story begins out in a town called Bethlehem. And if you don't know, Bethlehem, the name Bethlehem means house of bread or house of provision. And Bethlehem had a reputation. Uh, That is where it was known that the people of god lived they were people that had a relationship with the one true god and god had a reputation by that point people knew about this god that was all powerful this god that had done miracles this god that interacted with people God had a reputation, and his reputation was in Bethlehem, and people in Bethlehem were known to have a relationship with him. So that's kind of the the setting for this story. And as we read the beginning of Ruth, we read there was a severe famine. Very important to understand this. There was a severe famine in the land. And there was a man named Elimelech and his wife Naomi, and they moved their family and two sons from Bethlehem From the house of bread, the house of provision, bread and provision went hand in hand. Bread was symbolic of provision. So if you say house of bread, you were really saying the house of provision. So the house of God's provision. And so they move from the house of bread to Moab. And when you're reading this, what's interesting to know about Moab is Moab was known as the enemy of God. It was a place of great wickedness. We've just been watching the news, and we've seen what true evil and wickedness looks like, and so imagine that that that's Moab. It's just wicked. It's evil, and there's the worship of many gods, and people, you know, we know how towns can have reputations or states or countries, right, and that was the situation at this time, and as I'm reading this story, and as I'm I'm reading through it, I'm reading through it through the lens of am I secure? And I'm reading this and it's kind of one of those moments where you know the right answer but you really don't like the right answer. So this is when I'm reading it, I'm reading, okay, Bethlehem, house of bread, provision, enemy of God over here, Moab, but Moab has bread. They're not in a famine right now. So Bethlehem's in a famine, Moab is not. And I want to be secure. And I want my family to be secure. And I want my children to be secure. But I have a dilemma. I stay in the house of God where the provision of God is, but there's famine. There's lack. There's not enough. So I've got to wrestle with that. Does that mean that this God that I've heard about is not real? Does that mean this God is not good? Does that mean that God doesn't have enough? What does that mean? Because here I am, I'm in the house of provision, I'm in the house of bread, but there's not enough. Now over here, there's bread. But I know that this is enemy of God territory. What do I do? I want to keep my family secure. I want to be secure. So the scramble begins, and Naomi and Elimelech and their family, they scramble and they buy the lie that the grass is greener over here. They buy it. They move to Moab. And as you continue to read the story about 10 years in, Naomi finds herself alone with two daughter in laws. Her husband and her two sons over the past 10 years have died in enemy of God territory. And so now Naomi is living there with no physical resources, no relational security. In that culture, marriage was security. Marriage equaled security for women. That's just the way it was. And all of a sudden, not only is she a widow, but her two daughter-in-laws are widows. And so there they are, and they find themselves in the enemy of God territory with nothing. And so Naomi makes the decision to go back to the house of bread. And this is so interesting. When when Naomi gets back to Bethlehem, she's greeted. She's greeted by people that know her. They're like, hi, Naomi, welcome back, Naomi. And what does that tell us? It tells us that the people that stayed the people that believed that God is the true source, that God is the source of bread and provision, even though they were facing famine, they chose to trust. They chose to stay. They chose to continue to have relationship with God and work it out with God instead of responding to that icky feeling when we don't feel secure. They stayed, and they made it through. Did they suffer? Yes. But did they make it through? Yes. It's interesting to note that 95% of what we fear doesn't ever happen. And so these people, they greet Naomi. They're like, hi, Naomi, hi, Naomi. And she says, don't call me Naomi. Now, the name Naomi means joy. So she said, "Don't, don't call me joy. She says, call me Mara. Mara means bitterness. For the Lord Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Wait, what? She left during a famine. Remember that wrestling match I'm having if I don't feel secure? Right? I'm facing famine. There it is. We are hungry. So we're going over here where there's bread, even though it's the, house, it's the house of the enemy. It's the territory of the enemy. So now how is she saying that she was full? A lot of times we are way more secure than we know. And over 10 years, Naomi began to understand that better is a little in the house of God than that a hundred percent secure feeling that we think, although it's a lie, we believe the lie that somehow over here in enemy territory, I'm going to feel a hundred percent good, a hundred percent full, a hundred percent secure. But that is a lie. That does not exist. So she left what she thought was empty But now she recognizes that after having been in enemy territory for 10 years, she truly is empty. She's empty. She has nothing. And so I just want to make the point this morning, especially for those of us with this core question, am I secure, that we need to be aware of the enemy. Scripture tells us we have an enemy of our souls and he wants to destroy. That is his goal. He wants to destroy our peace. He wants to destroy our security. He wants to make us afraid and fearful. He wants to give us loss. But he is known throughout Scripture as the angel of light, the father of lies. And he tells us there's more over here. And he tells us there's never enough with God. That is what the enemy tells us, but he dresses it all up pretty. One more time I'm going to say it. I know I'm repeating myself, but it's so important for those of us with this question. It is an illusion to believe that we can build up enough to protect ourselves from trials and sorrows. It's 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 an illusion we cannot protect ourselves be secure enough to never have a trial or a tribulation or a suffering in fact when jesus was here on earth in john 16 he's teaching and he says here on earth you will have trials you will have sorrows anybody agree with that part of scripture <laughs> right most of us have had that moment we've had that experience But Jesus goes on to say, take heart, because I have overcome the world. He doesn't say that we're not going to have troubles, that we're not going to face famines of one kind or another. But he says, I've overcome the world. There's more. So I just want to encourage us this morning that take heart means have courage. That's what it means, have courage. And we get, our, we get our courage from God. Jesus says in John 6.36, this is so cool, he says, I am the bread of life. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. And now, hundreds of years later, he's saying to everybody, I am the bread of life. Jesus tells us, He is the provision for this life, relationally, physically, in every way. God is the provision, and he's telling us that. So he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Two things I want to say about this little line that Jesus says. First of all, let's recognize he says, come And then he says, believe. So Jesus is saying, come to me. You're facing famine, come to me. But it's not enough just to come to Jesus. It's not enough to just come sit in this room. We have to go the next step. We have to believe. And you might be in that place where you've come to Jesus, but you're struggling to believe. Me too sometimes. And we're going to talk about that. As we get ready to talk about that, I just had the thought that some of you might be hearing this. Wait a minute, Stephanie, Jesus is saying, I'll never go hungry and I'll never be thirsty if I believe in him. Okay, so are you telling me that people in a third world country don't believe in Jesus or they've never come to Jesus? Like, what, what is that? Where's that breakdown? And so I want to introduce you this morning to another woman. We've talked a little bit about Naomi. And I came to know about this woman um, through a book called Safe All Along. If you're taking notes and you struggle with the question, am I secure or am I safe, this is a great book to read. It's by Katie Davis Majors. And in the book, she tells about a woman named Abigail. Abigail's a woman who for 14 years lived in a slum community in Uganda. In the community she lived in, there was rampant crime, addiction, lack of access to clean food and water, lack of stable sources of income or secure housing. Now, a few years ago, uh, Abigail moved, just like Naomi. But the difference is, Abigail moved from the slum community of Uganda to the northern border of Uganda. She chose to move her family of nine To the most impoverished region in all of Uganda. She chose to move from insecure to very insecure by our standards. Famine and drought frequently sweep through the area, locusts come through and eat entire crops, hospitals hours away. When asked why, she said, that's my home. I have been away for 14 years, and I feel called. Listen to this. We've been talking about being a royal priesthood. Nicole spent some time on that this morning. She says, I feel called to go back and share the good news of Jesus with my home community. If I don't go, who will? In the book, Katie goes on to share that she was able to connect again with Abigail through FaceTime after Abigail had moved, And Abigail shared that cattle raiders had come and stolen her cows, which made Katie cry. Now, in and of itself, stealing cows doesn't sound like that big of a deal, except for the fact that cows are her only source of food and protein, besides gardens that may or may not exist. So cows are their source. And the cows have now been stolen. And so Katie begins to cry. Abigail asks her, why are you crying? They are just cows. God gave them to me, and he has now taken them. When he wants to, he will give us more. Don't worry about us, she laughed. God knows exactly when he will take each one of us. He says that nothing will ever separate us from his love, not even death. So if the cattle raiders come, whether we live or die, we will be with him. That is enough. She knows big picture security. Do we see the different perspectives? Two different women, I didn't do that on purpose. It's just how the the message unrolled. It could easily be men. I know a lot of men that struggle. This is their core question. But two different women and two very different responses to the question am I secure? Naomi, in the face of famine, looking at famine and insecurity, leaves the place of God for enemy of God territory, and then she later blames God for the results. Abigail, on the other hand, moves intentionally straight into the face of famine. What you and I would judge as crazy Abigail runs straight into it because she, if she doesn't go, who will? Because she is a royal priest and she is going in to share what God has filled her up, what God has given her, and she's going to share it with people that need hope. They need the love of God. To the point that when her friend Katie offers her empathy, she laughs because she knows that she is secure in the knowledge that God is enough. Abigail is literally able to live out Proverbs thirty-one twenty-five, which in real, ti- in real time, this is my goal in life. I love, I love this verse. She is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. My hope for us this morning, those of us with this question, is that God will take us from where we are, where we're desperate, tell me I'm safe, tell me I'm secure, tell me I'm secure, that we can go from that and we can just laugh at insecurity because we are safe with God and we know it, not just here, but we know it here. We talk in this series about a superpower. Superpower. Abigail walks in the superpower that her security is in God and he is everything. And when we begin to walk, instead of give me a yes, give me a yes, we begin to walk in the security. We begin to face famine and go, I'm not afraid of you. When we begin to do that, generosity takes place of hoarding. We begin to work to acquire resources but not for ourselves, instead we are looking around to bless others with the resources that God has blessed us with. Those of us that ask the question, am I secure, man, we can predict trouble five miles down the road. We, just, we, we feel it. So we can feel famine coming before anyone else even has a clue. It's just this weird thing that's inside of us, I have it in spades. and um. Once we get to this place where our faith and our hope is in God, when we predict the trouble, instead of running to Moab, instead of in fear going into enemy of God territory, instead we begin to create a stable environment. Led by the Holy Spirit, we begin to create an environment where other people can know the safety of God, even in the famine. So how do we do this? How do we move from fear to facing famine head on in faith? So, real quick, I'm gonna I'm gonna give all of us homework. Um, I was educated as a school teacher. So your homework this week is James chapter 4. Whether you have this core question or not, if you're looking for something in the Bible to read, write it in your notes, James chapter 4. Look at it, read it, meditate on it. Those of you that have this core question, I think it'll be super helpful. I'm going to hit three points really quick. If you're taking notes on the app, you can fill them in real fast. But then I'm going to tell you a story to illustrate it, and then we'll be done. So here's the three points. Draw close to God. And he will draw close to you you're facing famine you're facing scarcity you feel insecure either relationally or with your material goods draw close to god he will draw close to you number two resist the devil and he will flee from you remember if it looks too good to be true it is the grass is not greener it will eventually turn brown too Okay, so that's number two, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And number three, humble yourself before God. So here's my story. Okay, last week we showed up at church and there was a plan in place. You guys, most of you did not know this, but we were doing communion and we were doing it in a little different way than we normally do. So we had a plan. Plans give me the false illusion that I am secure. Okay, so we had a plan. I show up early, ready to just implement the plan, and the plan just starts going left and right and up and down, and like a roller coaster. And I just began to feel the scramble. I begin to feel insecure oh my gosh we're going to try to do communion it's going to be a mess you know the bread's going to be going down backwards and upwards and nobody's going to know what's going on and then people aren't going to like christ center and that just makes me really insecure and literally i just start having all of these and now i'm getting angry at all the people that aren't scrambling i'm like what's wrong with you guys communion is going to be a train wreck and i'm just beginning to feel all of this stuff but i recognize it because we're in the series So I excuse myself, and I go into the women's bathroom, and I go in a stall, and I close the door, and I do these three things. It was a come to Jesus moment in in the bathroom. It was, and I do that often. So I'm in there, and I'm like, you are God, and I am not. I am drawing close to you. You are God, I am not. That's humbling ourselves. Owning that, not just saying it, but owning it. We are not God. I do not have control of all the other people. I can't do it. I am not the one true source, only God. I can be here and I can be in Moab. It's still only God. So don't go over there, it's a waste of time. Go to the bathroom stall. Okay, so I'm in the bathroom stall, I'm crying out to God, I am telling him, I'm humbling myself, you are God, I am not. This is your church, God. It's not Steve's church, it's not Stephanie's church. It's not the board's church, it's God's church. God, this is your church, we are your people, communion is your thing, we're trying to be obedient, it's feeling really messy. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil wants me to think that somehow if this church is perfect, I'm secure. That's the lie. Father God, in the name of Jesus, fear needs to leave. I am a child of the King. I do not need to walk in fear. Fear is not from you. Fear, I recognize it, and you need to leave. Go away. Peace is what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords gives, not fear. God, it's yours. And I tell you, I walked out of that bathroom stall, peace. Most of you had no idea that I was on a bit of a scramble. I was just like, hey, it's great, we're here, we're gonna serve Jesus, we're gonna love Jesus together. And then the last thing I wanna say, So add three points, Uh, draw close to God, he will draw close to you. Humble yourself, he is God, we are not, hallelujah. Resist the enemy of our souls who tries to make us think that we can have 100% security, that's a lie. Resist that, ask God for his peace. And then the last thing, and we can do this anytime, anywhere, all the time, and I, I borrowed this prayer from somewhere else in scripture, but it's this. God, I believe that you alone are my source of security please help my unbelief i believe please help my unbelief because we are in process as much as we would like to think we're just going to walk out of here today and we're never going to feel insecure again bummer but that most of the time isn't how it works it's it's a battle it's a fight it's a growing process so, God, I believe, I do, I believe that in the famine you've got me. Help my unbelief. God, I believe it, but I'm struggling. Help my unbelief. Amen. All right, so here's what we're going to do for our last few minutes together today. I want to pray together. I want to pray over you. And so we're going to do a little bit of just kind of think Lectio style. I'm going to have you go ahead and bow your head and take a deep breath. And I'm going to pray and then I'm going to give a quiet moment for you to, if you want to, just pray that prayer in your own soul, in the quietness of your soul. And then I will go on and pray the next part. Father God, we come to you relinquishing our insecurities. We open our hands to you in an act of surrender. We surrender our insecurities to you, the source. Please forgive us for divided loyalty between you and the world. Please shine a light on our true motivations. God, every time that we are motivated out of fear, out of self-preservation, we're motivated by the lies of the enemy. God, shine a light on us. Show us. Your light is good and healing and helpful. Your light is exactly what we need when our motives are wrong. Please shine your light on our motives. please help us receive your yes, that we are big picture secure. Help us, God, to find our true security in you. When I said my foot is slipping, your unfailing love supported me. When anxiety is great within me, your consolation brings me joy. Holy Spirit, please show us this morning where you are at work. Help us to see your goodness Help us to believe that you are good. Help us to believe that you are not withholding, but you are good. It is just in your timing and according to your will. Give us ears to hear when you speak to us. Help us to hear you, God. Oh God, you are our God. And our souls long for you in a parched and weary land. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How we praise you and we will praise you as long as we live lifting up our hands to you in prayer. You satisfy us more than the richest feast. We will praise you with songs of joy, amen, amen.